Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Okay. Hey everybody, Dr. Dad's coming at you, and we had an amazing guest that we interviewed today. Uh, a little bit different uh, format today. We got to interview Joe DeSina. Uh, he's the founder and CEO of the global empire that is Spartan. All right, Joe, real quick, man, just kind of want to say we love the book, man. Very much needed in this time, so appreciate you for that. Uh, what inspired you, man? What was the catalyst behind why you felt such a need to write this book? I want to start with that. Kill Bill. You ever see the movie Kill Bill? Yeah. I was watching Uma Thurman and Kill Bill. We had our first child, was like um, three years old at the time. And Uma Thurman was carrying buckets of water up the mountain, get, getting yelled at by her sensei, by her master. And I said to my wife, we got to get a Kung Fu master to live with us. Um, I didn't know what she was going to say, but my wife went along with it. And we somehow found a Kung Fu master from China to come live in the house and train wow. our, then our youngest son and or our only son and then our second son. And um, we've just been training the kids um, for eight or nine, ten years now, more than that, every single day, 5.15 in the morning, 5.30 in the morning. And then they learn Mandarin and then we said we're going to apply math. And so we've just been training these little... Um, killers <laughs> like that. and and wherever we lived anywhere in the world other families would bring their kids over to our house at 5 30 in the morning so that they could get trained and so i said oh my god this is so simple we got to write a book on this my wife said absolutely not um that would be too weird what if it doesn't work and then dr laura who's in the room here with me she, um, she raised her hand and said, all right, I'll do the book with you. She risked her, her reputation and, and her license probably and said, uh, I'll do the book with you. Give it some credibility and uh, make sure you're not completely nuts. So, and it was written mostly before the pandemic and then the publisher heard about it and said, oh my God, uh, you must have wrote this because of the pandemic. I said, no, actually we wrote it before the pandemic. That's awesome. There was a part in the book where, which I really appreciate was when you went to the ranch and you said that was part of the inspiration for you to, to develop the Spartan race and you realized that you were getting all these messages from being in nature. Could you speak to that a little bit? Because that's, that's part of the euphoria that people feel when they go through the, the race themselves. Yeah, you know, um, we are animals. And um, the analogy I like to use was I, at one point I had eight dogs on our farm in Vermont and a Kung Fu master. And... Um, I learned a lot about dogs. When you have eight dogs, you learn a lot. And I noticed that if you leave the dogs in the house uh, for too long, they get crazy. They start fighting with each other. They start ripping things apart. But if you let them run around outside, they're pretty happy. They wear themselves out. They get tired. They're exhausted. They're happy as can be. And I thought, wow, um, we are just like dogs. We're animals. At the end of the day, we forgot that we're animals because we wear suits and ties and get dressed up and put you know, fingernail polish on and think that we're, uh, we're different, but at, at our core, we're animals. And if we sit around inside all the time, well, we get grumpy and depressed and we don't communicate well and unhealthy. And um, we need to run outside just like those dogs. And so we started this company called Spartan 
and we got people uh, running under barbed wire and, and climbing walls and jumping over fire and carrying sandbags and doing all kinds of crazy stuff you'd see in the military. And people would come to the finish line, surprisingly to me, because I hadn't worked all this out in my head yet, um, transform. Oh my God, you changed my life. I gave up drinking. I'm back with my husband. I'm back with my wife. I no longer take drugs. Whatever, whatever the transformation is, I started a business. And, um, and it didn't matter where we went. If we were in Malaysia or we were in China or Siberia, it didn't matter where we went. It was the same exact story. So deep down inside, this species, doesn't matter what country you're from, what religion, this country, this species needs to um, get outside, breathe heavy, sweat, get to the point where they're just broken, and then pick themselves back up and somehow get to the finish line. Love it. So Joe, real quick, man, let's, I want to dive a little bit into the book and talk about some of these things that you hit home on, but let's just talk about this whole idea of, you know, where children are at in this day and age, why resiliency is so important and how as parents, we need to make sure this is a big part of our parenting as well. Yeah, look, um, we've learned helplessness. Um, if this were, if we were doing this podcast 150 years ago, uh, our kids would be outside right now uh, tackling uh, a moose and, get, and getting it ready for, you know, undressing and getting it ready for dinner or, or helping put in a railroad or farming, right? Kids were tough. And uh, with every passing generation, life got easier. We got um, softer. So then we parent softer and then they get softer and they parent softer. And now we got a bunch of soft, you know, marshmallows for kids that are scared of their own shadow they uh, eat too much junk food. They're looking down at their devices all day. They don't know how to communicate. Um, it's a train wreck. And so, um, so the book really is just a wake-up call that is saying it's not that hard. Like we're all at our core very resilient creatures. We've lasted one million years on this planet. You just got to do a few things to toughen up your family, toughen up your kids, toughen yourself up. Don't forget your kids are watching every move you make, so you've got to model the behavior you expect from them. And um, that's it. Hmm. I mean, in the times that we're in, we're actually seeing a ton of marshmallows uh, in, our, in our, you know, how we're showing up in the world. And it's, it's devastating. I mean, I, I can't help but think, David and I, one of our first conversations, like, when we get to our next Spartan race, like, everything's shut down. Um, in this mindset of resilience that's so missing, not just in the kids, but also in the collective, you know, what, what's your message to people right now when they're stuck in fear? And, and then on that point, I'd love for you to spell out FFIO because I think part of that message is, is beautiful in the times that we're in as well when we're feeling lost. Yeah, look, everybody, everybody is motivated. The number one motivator for a human being is the avoidance of discomfort. We avoid discomfort at all costs, subconsciously. We don't even know it. Um, and it's kept us alive, right? We don't freeze to death. We don't melt. We don't fall off a cliff. Um, but subconsciously, it holds us back. And, and we don't want to explore and get outside our, our comfort zone. And that comfort zone keeps becoming a smaller and smaller place with every passing generation. So I would just say to folks, look, I get it. You're afraid. You don't understand why this guy Joe is suggesting you go climb a mountain or do something uncomfortable when you're perfectly happy on your couch watching Netflix. But um, try it. Try it. Uh, because I've had 10 million people do it and they can't all be wrong, but they all raise their hand afterwards and say, oh my God, I am so glad you, you made me do that. 
and this is the crazy part, if it was raining that day or snowy or a lightning storm or whatever, they, they say it was even better, which is not what you would expect, right? The worse the weather is, the worse the experience, the happier they are at the finish line. And, and, and so I would just say, try it. Just trust me and try it. 10 million people can't be wrong. And, and I don't know what the second part of the question was. I forgot. The FFIO. That... Oh, FFIO is, is, you know, I've been running businesses since I was a kid. And uh, everything that can go wrong went wrong. You drive an hour and a half to a customer's house. Uh, you go to take care of something and you don't have the part in your truck. Uh, my truck would break down. I'd run out of gas, whatever would happen. And um, I just, I adopted this saying in my own head, fucking figure it out, FFIO. Um, like, there's nobody I could turn to. Am I going to call my dad? Like, you got to fucking figure it out. I remember pushing the truck because I ran out of gas, like literally out in traffic, pushing my truck to a gas station, right? Like, I, I can't steer at the same time. I'm Anyway, fucking figure it out. I love it. <laughs> Do we have time for one more? Yeah, so for parents, man, if, if let's say there's too much coddling, they're not moving their kids to enough adversity. And I mean, where would you, what would you say to parents to get started outside of just like, hey, let's start getting them outside, pushing their limits. I know every parent, they find themselves in these positions and times when the kids are complaining or whining. I remember in the book, you're talking about the, the death race camp you have for kids during the summer and how they all wanted to give up and you know, they're crying and stuff like that. You're obviously amazing at what you do and helping transform people through these mindsets and this mental toughness. What would you tell parents right now with their kids who want to make this shift uh, to get their kids more resilient, to help them move through, through all this adversity, if that's not something that's the norm for them? I would say you have two choices. Just two choices. One choice uh, will keep your kid in your basement forever and you'll keep funding them and they'll never have a, a proper job, be able to take care of themselves. And the other choice is the kid will thrive and get out of the house and be able to deal with the world and all the problems the world throws at them. So it's your choice. If, if, if you want to continue to coddle them and every time they have a potential failure, get in the way and protect them, that kid's going to live in the basement. And there's lots of kids living in, in parents' homes right now that uh, just can't FFIO. Um, or you go for it, you get a little uncomfortable, Maybe your neighbors are going to be pissed off at you because you got your kids actually failing and doing some hard stuff. And you don't have to be stupid about it. Every once in a while, I'll drop my kids off four miles from home. Dad, I don't know what, what. Figure it out. Get home. You want to eat, you got to get home. That's crazy, Joe. That's so dangerous. It's not dangerous. Come on. Richard Branson, I'm, I'm friends with Richard Branson. Richard Branson's mom would drive him with his bicycle a hundred miles away from home and say, FFIO, figure it out, bike home. If Richard Branson, 50 years ago, could do that with his bicycle a hundred miles, your kid could walk four miles home. Love it. There's so much inspiring information in the book, uh, Joe, and we're so uh, pleasured that you were able to take some time out to speak with us today. Any last messages for people? Um, I mean, you, you dropped a lot of wisdom in a short period of time, but uh, Spartan races are back on now, uh, as far as I can tell. Uh, any, any last messages for, for our listeners? Yeah, if you want to have some fun, maybe do it for Halloween, I would go down the basement and turn the hot water heater off for a day. Let's get the whole house. Let's get the whole house taking cold showers for one day. Let's see how that goes. Love it. Okay.
Awesome, Joe. Thank you so much for all your wisdom. See you Thank guys. you, Joe. Blessings. You guys are awesome. Bye. Bye. So we just got off an interview with him, but now me and Nick are going to kind of dive into some of these principles of his new book called The Ten Rules for Resilience, Mental Toughness for Families. Dr. Nicholas Jensen. Hey, buddy. Uh, I can't help but think when we were talking to him just what it was like going through the Spartan Race experience that we had in Seattle. How many years ago now was that? that it was like four or five years ago, man. It's been a while. It's been a, just a stretch of time. and. So- what I was going to say is that there, there's something that lingers that with you in those experiences. And, and I remember how jacked up we were afterwards, just chatting about the, the whole Spartan culture and just what it was like and the, the different challenges or obstacles that we had to go through. I mean, it was, it was something that actually just, you know, brought you and I closer together too. And just, you know, but it just really solidified the power of what happens when you're going through really difficult times. You know, it's, it's funny because you and me were both athletes, right? So we experienced some of that type of adversity and resilience that athletics, I think, brings when you're growing up. But Spartan, race, Spartan racing is kind of a beast of its own, man. And the neat part that you see when you go to those races is, is there's not necessarily all these like ex-athletes and, and these like ridiculously well-fit people out there doing this. These are just many just average Joe people that are trying to get off the couch. They're trying to make changes in their life. You know, they're, they're trying to grow and evolve, you know, not just physically, but mentally because they know that there's just more out there for them. And that's the beautiful thing I like about these races is the communities that you see at the races and the people. And then you'll actually chat with some of them after the races and they talk about how they started out and many of them, they've had many, um, you know, improvements in health, they've lost all this weight and, you know, they're not, you know, suffering from certain diseases anymore. And then you have other people that it's like, oh, this has enabled me to like make changes in my life and I'm in better relationships or I've opened businesses or, you know, there's just growth across the board. Right. And so we just talked with Joe a little bit about what doing things like that can bring for your kids, but just individuals in general. And I think we should spend a little bit of time today just kind of honing in on some of these rules that he talks about in his book. And then just, I mean, I have personal stories there of just how even handling stuff with Diego as a parent, you know, I'm, I'm new to this and not perfect by any means, but like things that I just see even at seven for him that I need to make sure I'm doing as a parent so that he's ready for life one day, man. And I don't set him up for failure because I didn't parent him the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Well, let's, let's dive into some of those principles. And then uh, really, I mean, the book is for parents. It's for parents to help them, you know, maybe even test the boundaries of their kids and, and help them to realize their potential. And in doing so, it's going to free you up as a parent to, to you know, help your kids, be, help your kids grow to be more effective human beings that are going to be less dependent on us, uh, which, you know, in this modern world of parenting that we found ourselves in, you would call us marshmallows. <laughs> right because we just become softer and more confined more confined more tablets more screen times uh we've really gone away from what it means to be human and having a human experience we've really gone into isolation really so let's let's dive in so real quick i want to just talk about joe decina's vision because this kind of plays into the the book that he wrote and what me and nick are going to talk about so the thing i love about his vision statement is he says he wants to get 100 million people healthy and off the couch 
get obstacle course racing, recognized as an Olympic sport. And the biggest part I love about it is he says, and to guide my kids to be a badass, productive, and happy for when they are out on their own. And, you know, as parents, we have, I think, you know, when our kids are young, we're playing the biggest part of this process. And we can either be doing the right things for our kids, like we're talking, or we can be setting them up for failure because of we're not conscious, I think, of some of the things that we need to instill with them. And the big thing we talked about with Joe was building resilience and, and basically getting to a place where we don't avoid adversity. We actually applaud it in our kids' lives. You know, I know as, as a dad for me, ma'am, that I've had those moments where you realize like, like, you, like the, there's a fear that sets in maybe when your kid's doing something outside or you want to protect them from something. And you have to kind of sit there sometimes and think like, okay, am I better off allowing him to do this and learn from his mistakes? Or is this something where I need to step in as his parent to keep him safe or to keep him protected? And it's, there's the, it's constant, right? Like, I don't yeah. know about you, but it's like, this is the constant battle, especially when they're young, yeah. you know, and he's still young. I mean, he's seven, but it doesn't stop. I don't think as they get older, I think it just changes even when they move into teenage years and stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. But what I've kind of learned on my own journey with that man is like, we can't, like you're saying, cobble them on, on uh, many things in their life. Like they have to, they have to fall and they have to pick themselves back up because if they can't learn to do something, it's something simple at this, this age, you know, young, what's it going to be like when they're in their early twenties or thirties and life really gives them a big blow, you know, they're not going to be able to handle it. And you see that a lot with kids now. I mean, anxiety, depression, all these big things are on the rise in the populations today. these kids that are in their early, early adolescence and moving into their twenties. And I think a lot of it is like, because Joe was talking about with each generation, we keep getting softer. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so true. I, I mean, I can't help but think that, you know, one of the questions I would have loved to ask him is that, is, is, there, is there a time for softness, right? Because, you know, in, in the world that we live in, I think there's an excess of softness for sure. Um, and I catch myself in my own parenting sometimes, you know, to the point that you just made of like, where, where do you find that fine line? And so, I mean, that would have been a great question uh, had we more, had more time with him to see, like, how does he bring in softness or what does that look like to him? So is, is there neutrality or is it always like gas pedal down? You're going to work your ass off, uh, you know, for this experience, young one, uh, you know. And so anyways, I don't know what you, if you had any thoughts on, on that. Uh, is there a balance point? Is there, is there a place for softness in this experience? I, I agree, man. I wish we had more time to ask him that. That would have been a great question. Because when you read the book, it kind of seems a little extreme. I think some parents might be reading it thinking, oh my God, this guy is just like, it's too extreme. Like, why would you do this to your kids? And, and this is just too much. But, you know, to, to reiterate what you're saying, I think there's a balance uh, how we do this for our kids, right? Like there's this, there has to be the softness with some things in life, but then we have to basically make them tougher by like, like we're saying, like saying no sometimes, or you know what? He looks like that doesn't look like a good idea, but he's maybe going to fall and get hurt, but let him do it. He needs to figure it out. Um, 
you know, like something I'm, I'm dealing with right now is Diego came down with a little bit of cold for a couple of days, but he's already kind of bounced back within 48 hours and he's got a judo competition coming up. And of course he's going to be like, Oh, I don't want to do it, dad. And I'm still have the sniffles dad, or I'm a little congested. And like, it's easy to stay in that place of comfort, right? Like he doesn't feel good or he didn't feel good for a couple of days. And he's, he wants me to, to give that softness, right? That he wants to, Oh no, you don't have to do it. And cause you're not feeling a hundred percent, but the reality is man, you know, just based off where he is now, I know he can do that competition this weekend. And even if he doesn't feel like a hundred percent, like he's crisp and good to go. This is what we're talking about. This is adversity. There's resistance there because he didn't feel good earlier in the week, but I know by Saturday he'll be good. And as a parent, I could tell him, oh, no, you're good. You don't have to do it and like keep him from competing. But at the same time, I'm like, no, he needs to go. It's something he committed to. I want him to show up. And even if he's not at 100%, let's say he's at 90, he still needs to move through that so that he can build some adversity and understand that we're not always going to feel great, but sometimes we have to push through that and you can't just quit or just not want to do something because you don't feel good. Yeah. There's something powerful about, uh, you know, to get back to the Spartan race where I think when people are put in an ex- sort of an extreme environment or extreme to what they're used to, it, it awakens something in them that they didn't realize was there. Like, you know, for example, when would we ever go swimming in a mud pit, you know, <laughs> and like sort of wrestle your way out of it or, you well, know, it's cold too, yeah. right? Yeah, and it's just that it's that it's a mud pit, like <laughs> the water when they dunk you, like yeah, shocks your body. Yeah, or like you know, climbing under barbed wire, carrying carrying heavy things. Like these are things that you just would not normally do, and so it's completely out of the typical reality that we find ourselves in. And I think that's part of that shocking mechanism that's, that's so important. And you know, you you don't really know your potential until you're put into an environment. Now, granted, a lot of the people that, that well, I, I would assume everybody who does a Spartan race isn't forced to do it. It's not like their parent is like, get your ass out to that Spartan race. There's a choice there. There's a, there's a choice to realize adversity can actually help me grow. So, you know, without uh, putting your kid into the death race or the Spartan race, you know, although I think that's probably a really good idea to teach them that level of resilience. What do you think are some things that we could do on a daily basis for our kids to sort of just introduce them to a more challenging environment? And he brought up a couple of funny ones, but I'd love to hear what you think. You know, like with Diego, one of the things I've noticed that Spartan, Spartan racing has done for him, and it's kind of translated into our everyday life, kind of on the subject of what you're talking about, is he's done a couple of the kids' races, and I saw a confidence kind of come out of him whenever we'd come back home after we'd go and do those, to where he was okay with getting up really early with that and going outside and starting to exercise or go run around with me you know, while I was training in the morning and things like that. And you don't expect that from like a six and seven year old, right? Like I know when I was that age, like I wanted to sleep, man. Like I would, I didn't want to get up and go work out in the morning. So it's interesting, but I think putting your kids on a schedule and Joe talked a little bit about this and creating a little bit of discipline and things that they're having to show up for every day. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I think you can build more resilience in your kids by having them on somewhat of a schedule of we're going to get up and do this every morning and we're going to be consistent with this. And this is because, I mean, sometimes you don't feel like getting up out of bed. 
I mean, even as adults, right? We have mornings we don't we didn't feel like as rested, but we still have to get up and go to work and go do what we need to do and take care of business. And as kids, I think if there's somewhat of a schedule, like okay, we're going to get up, you're going to do some exercise every morning for an hour, and then you're going to go to school, you're going to start your day. I mean, imagine how much more resilience you'd be building over your kids over time, just to get them in that. It just becomes the norm for them, right? So it's not as big of a deal when other things come up. You know, he he briefly talked about the cold showers. What an easy way to start building resilience in your kids. He's like, for Halloween, turn off your water heater for 24 hours and see how your family does. We're so stuck, like he talks in his book, in these comforts, whether it's our thermostats always like at 69 and the house is always cool. Or we always have warm water when we shower. Like our nervous system doesn't get much a variation and having to adapt to different extremes and to what you're saying with Spartan races, you get put in an environment of extremes. And many people that don't get to experience that in every everyday life, their nervous system has to adapt in that real time during these extremes during the race. And there's something almost in our DNA that our body needs this, right? We talk about the importance of creating adaption for your body. And, and you build resilience by constantly making the body move through these adaptions. But I think there's got to be some disciplines and variations of how we do this. But I think, you know, whether it's getting your kids up early in the morning, making them exercise, getting them outside, doing things, lifting heavy things, making them go on runs or walks with you, you know, whatever that may be, activities even just to have fun. Uh, making them take cold showers every once in a while, just leaving the water cold. They're going to be complaining and sitting there and whining, but they'll be fine, right? Like things that we can control to some degree, but then it puts them in a little bit of discomfort maybe, but there's consistency behind it. Yeah. And I mean, I know what he brought up, uh, he talked about Richard Branson and, and how his mom would drive him like a hundred miles out with his bike and he had to find his way home. Uh, I thought that was a beautiful description. I mean, when we were kids, we would we would walk to school, we would walk home from school. Like, and I can't remember what age that was when we started doing that. It was fairly young. It was probably around the age of where my boys are at right now. Um, for sure, Kyan, our, our eldest. And it made me go, go like, yeah, like, we, you know, there's an experience where they're not really tasting independence at a young enough age. Um, you know, that's, that's an opportunity. Maybe they walk to school. I mean, obviously you, you might want to be a little bit closer, you know, maybe not a hundred miles away. Uh, but I think there's an opportunity there for, for kids to realize a little bit more independence. And that's part of their resilience that, you know, mapping their way back home and just having a little bit of freedom, maybe to, to sort of decompress after that day at school with all their friends and they get a little quiet time and that little bit of boredom while they're walking, you know, maybe that's, that's part of the experience and that, that sense of adventure. You know, and whether rain or shine, you know, maybe that's uh, maybe that's going to happen at the Jensen house. We'll see. We'll we'll see how that goes. They're pretty hard to get them motivated in the morning, but <laughs> maybe that's something we, we can work towards. Well, uh, it's important, man. I'm like the saying you were saying that it was a FFIO. Like, yeah. Yeah. And for I can figure it out. Right? Yeah. Fucking figure it out. And it's interesting because as you're talking, I'm thinking of my childhood. I had a lot of fucking figure it out moments in my life, yeah. but I, it wasn't something that stressed me out. It was just kind of part of the norm. Right. Like I remember getting home and my mom was constantly always telling me like, go play, like don't come home until the sun comes down for dinner. And like, I would sometimes be miles from the house doing stuff, man. probably stuff I was getting into trouble and, you know, just doing all kinds of crap. 
and and then I'd be coming home and then all kinds of stuff happening from falling and getting scrapes and bleeding and needing stitches. I mean, all these things, but it, it was interesting how I was constantly in places of having to adapt, having to figure things out, problem solve on my own. And I didn't have my parents there constantly monitoring me all the time or making sure I was okay. Like, and it's interesting if you think about life, like, some of these kids are being coddled and marshmallowed all the way through their late teenage years. And then it's like, okay, go to college. And then now it's fucking figure it out. And these kids can't handle it, man. Yeah. Right. And I think that's why we're having these big mental health issues. A lot of times in society these days, because we're, they're just not prepared. Yeah. Not prepared. And I know we're in different times and it's always used as an excuse of why things are done the way they are versus when we were kids. Our, our parents said the same shit. Yeah. I mean, don't, didn't they? They said the same shit. Like, so I think with every generation, we justify why we don't want to maybe do some of the things we did when we were kids and we want to make it easier, but we're not helping our kids by doing these things. I think we're, we're actually causing more harm than good when it comes to stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. It was funny. Cause when I, when I was listening to him speak, I was kind of like, Oh, it's just kind of like my dad talking, you know, <laughs> it was like my grandpa. You know, I remember helping my grandpa at one point putting uh, some irrigation around our garden. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I had so much fun helping him build up this irrigation line. It was, it was amazing. I felt on purpose. I was like learning some stuff, I was, you know, digging holes and, you know, and those kind of experiences uh, were just built in. Like there was this natural desire to want to help and be productive and be creative and to learn and get dirty. And that, you know, in the in a modern world, in our city culture, the concrete buildings, you know, kids don't get that that experience. They don't get to just dig holes in their yard and get yelled at or, you know, go play in the garden and pull out a carrot and eat it right out of the ground without washing it or, you know, all those little memories from childhood. But, you know, listening to Joe speak, it was kind of like, what? there's my grandpa, there's my dad just, you know, giving me shit or telling me what to do and me going, okay, like I'll, I'll go and get it done. And, and then fast forwarding into our, our, my, our own parenting style, we, we first started off in the city, concrete jungle, no, no play space, whatnot. Um, we lived on a very busy road, always kind of anxious a little bit about taking the kids outside and having them bike around. I mean, we would go down to the, the basement, have them bike around the basement, but it was a very controlled and sheltered experience. And rightfully so. I mean, you don't want your kid running on the road and getting you know, smashed by a car, like it is a very, very busy street we were. And that's, that's a reality for most parents. So it's almost like we've socially constructed uh, an, a, like a system for us to live in that that's very much conducive to protection and isolation and contraction and everything else. So that the, the answer really is to start, to start to feel your own expansion again, I think is that you got to get back in nature. And it has to be enough to remind yourself and it has to be uncomfortable. It has to be on rainy days, snowy days. You're saying uh, that the people that were going through the Spartan races found that their, their experience was better when it was like lightning and thunder and snow when they're running up these hills and mountains and, you know, doing the obstacle races when it was like, you know, near impossible to climb a slippery wall when it's pouring down rain on you. And, you know, you're, you may fail and you're doing burpees in the rain now, you know, so the, the messages are so important and especially in the world that we're in with this with the pandemic of massive isolation um you know it's it's just we're surrounded by it 
and, and there's one other thing that, you know, had we had more time that I really wanted to talk to him about was there, there's something about community. There's something about, it's not just the Spartan race, it's that you're doing it in a community. And there's something really powerful about seeing your brothers and sisters go through some challenging, you know, stuff together. And we all kind of fucking figure it out. <laughs> Very true, man. You know, I was thinking of a story where you were talking, you know, I constantly am trying to get, you know, Clarissa and Diego out in nature more and we go on hikes and go on walks and I get away from the city, right? We try to get away from the bustle. And like three weeks ago, I, we went on a hike and typically when we say we're going to go on a hike, Clarissa and Diego are comfortable with maybe doing like, I don't know, maybe a mile and a half and they're ready to turn back and head back towards the house. Right. Mm -hmm. And for me, I feel like I literally went like a quarter mile when we do that. Like I, I'm like, why did we even leave the house? <laughs> what was the point? Right. So that day it was a nice morning. Initially it was nice and cool, but it was kind of at that tipping point where it was getting a little warm. So we did our normal hike. And then of course here comes a, okay, let's turn around now. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that today. Like we're going to do like a decent hike today. And we're going to like, I'm going to push them outside of their comfort zone. So of course, Clarissa was okay with it. But of course you can imagine Diego, you know, probably five, 10 minutes after we kept going, constant complaining of, yeah. dad, I want to go home. Like, where are we going? This is taking forever. I mean, constant. So, you know, I remember for a good 15, 20 minutes, it was just constant complaining, right? And you get a little irked and irritated as a parent. And you're just sitting there saying like, come on, dude, just keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. And it was interesting because we ended up doing like three and, a half, three and a half miles of hiking. And I took him on a pretty good hike that morning. But it was interesting after about that 20 minute period of the complaining, how all of a sudden it just stopped yeah. at the back end. And then he got in like this really good mood. And he stopped complaining. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, we, we find this threshold with our children of where they're uncomfortable, maybe, or they don't believe they can do something like it's too much or it's too far, or it's too hard. And then we get, we're going to feel that resistance a little bit. And then after that resistance passes, and once they finally realize like, oh, I was able to do it, or it wasn't that hard, or I had to just kind of push through that mental threshold of that barrier I've created for myself, or that belief I have for myself. On the other end, they find, you know, this, this amazing I can type moment of like, wow, I was capable of more than I thought. And I feel like, you know, that's rule number one on Joe's deal is you can't until you can building a better belief system. I think for our kids, man, having to push them sometimes through these thresholds helps them build these better beliefs of themselves and what they are capable of doing. But these are those moments as parents, I think, when the complaining starts or the, we can't do this. And, and I think a lot of us as parents give in in those moments instead of allowing and, and just pushing through it because on the other end of that resistance we're feeling or that fear or the complaining it's everything we want for our kids and it's funny how that's a small example like that i'm that i've gone through with him and many different things but that one was as of late but i mean how many times as parents are we are we not doing this like are we not making these better choices to let them push through that because that i mean you know how important belief is and I think our kids, if they don't have that foundation of those beliefs as they're growing up and that confidence, this does affect them in the long term. Oh, big time. You know, as you're speaking, I, I can help but think of a discussion that Joel Salatin was having uh, the other day when I was listening to him on a podcast. Joel Salatin is like this like, 
incredible farmer and biodynamic and, and uh, really helping people understand how to get back to the roots of real farming. He's saying, you know, obviously in our modern world that we live in, like the, you know, how we're setting up, um, you know, chicken houses and, you know, pig farming and all this stuff, all these like enclosures, you know, and he was talking about the pig specifically. He's like, it's not hard to grow healthy, happy um, animals when you give them the right environment. Everything's about the environment. And so when pigs are kept in these really small containers, they have to clip their tails so that, um, so they're really tender. And so they, these, the, the tender tips of where the tail was cut makes a weak point for that pig. And so the pigs are less likely to like um, create, you know, a huge amount of fuss because they're so, they're already like pre-injured. And so if someone bumps into that injury, like they kind of like scurry out of the way. Um, and he said, they're always kind of agitated. They're always up and sort of moving around. But he's, when you put a pig in his natural environment, he's like, the funny thing about pigs is that when they're happy, they're usually sleeping all day or most of the day. Right. They're just they're calm. They're relaxed. They're doing the thing, you know, eat and then they sleep. And that's just the nature of a pig. But then you put the pig in the environment where it's just constant agitation, can't settle down, constantly moving around, always in a little bit of pain. You know, that's the reality of our kids stuck inside all day. They're not going to they're not going to show up the way you want them to because they're constantly in isolation. They're constantly separated from that, which makes them feel freedom, makes them feel joy. And when you spoke about like that that tipping point of where like there's this mass frustration in our kids like oh this is so hard and tired let's turn around and then at some point freedom opens up and they start to remember who they are and then that's the opportunity that we all have and uh you know so i mean so many beautiful messages uh in in the podcast the short as short as it was but also just you know in the book there's, there's so many inspirations so many like remembering so much remembering that they can have. oh yeah and it's funny because it's right in front of our face but i don't think we take the time to think of some of these things you know another one he talked about in the book when i was sifting through it was how there's this inst- a lot of this instant gratification now in these generations right like these yeah. kids just expect that instant gratification and this could be whether like you know let's say your kid uh worked really hard in school got straight a's and then you reward them with something like at the end of the semester or you know, they did a good job at uh, a tournament and they got, you know, first or second place. And then you go and you buy them something as a reward afterwards. So we've gotten in this place, I think, as parents and many people will do this of like, uh, for the hard work that you're doing here, we're going to give you a reward here right at the back end. Instead of understanding that there's this power of hard work and the, the, the gratification should come from the hard work. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we need to have this instant gratification by rewarding our kids immediately afterwards. And I don't think a lot of parents do that anymore. Yeah. You know, like, um, and I'm not going to lie. I mean, growing up, my parents, they, that would happen every once in a while. Like after certain things, oh, I'd be rewarded, but it was few and far in between. That wasn't really a normal thing in my childhood. I didn't get instant gratification all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think these now these now these days there's a lot of parents that they don't want to deal with the whining from their kids, uh, so they'll just buy them the toy if they're crying at the store and they're walking through the toy aisle and they're like I want this I want this and then it turns into this knockdown drag out and they're like they just give in because it's just easier to give in yeah right or they're out in public at a restaurant and their kids are running around making noise not behaving and instead of like parenting their kids and having them sit down use their manners 
Like, oh, it's just easier to act like I don't hear them and let them run around the restaurant and bother everybody. Like, it's just interesting that you see this all the time, right? Yeah. Uh, but from the gratification part of it, man, I feel like the this whole lesson of like you work hard and the payoff is what you're building over time. And we need to teach kids just like in real life that there's delayed gratification in almost everything in life. It doesn't come right away and it takes time. Like there's a lot of patience involved with hard work, especially when you really want something, right? Like there's a lot of like making mistakes and, and not getting there instantly. But I think, some of these kids have this unrealistic idea of how fast they're going to attain things or be able to have successes in their life because as children, they're constantly given the instant gratification. So then when it's really time to show up in the real world and put in the work to get what they're wanting, they don't have any reality of what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's self-deprecating. It's like, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't do it. I'm going to give up on myself because that's been the sort of the, uh, that's what's been the reflection for them. As soon as it's hard, okay, no problem, no problem. We'll, we'll, we'll make it easier. We'll, we'll, we'll take you out of that. Uh, we don't want you to suffer, you know. Um, you know, that's, those are powerful life lessons that, that we have to help instill. And uh, there's a great book, uh, Motivation 2.0, that Daniel Pink, or David Pink, Daniel Pink, I can't remember exactly his name. He talks about um, uh, intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation, right? So the extrinsic would be that reward. You know, you do, the, you do your homework, you get a reward. Uh, a dear friend of ours uh, has a son uh, who they, they reward a lot. So he gets a lot of little little toys and surprises and stuff like that very often. Our, and our boys are very quick to comment. Well, my friend gets a toy like almost every week, like for like doing nothing almost. And and we're like, well, that that's great. That's that's how they parent, and you know, and I, I love them to pieces. I wouldn't say anything bad about how they're parenting. And I always say, you know, that's not what we do in this house. You know, it's not, we don't reward you for, you know, doing your homework, for brushing your teeth. You know, those are, those are just basic things that should be done on a daily basis. But it's the intrinsic motivation that I think awakens in you. You know, that delayed gratification is sort of that, the end product of this intrinsic motivation. You do your first Spartan race, for example, you, you may, you, maybe you crush it, but there's probably things you're like, okay, next time I do that, I'm going to, I'm going to put my foot position here. I'm going to correct that. And I'm going to, I'm going to get through it. I'm going to do less burpees. I'm going to, you know, throw the spear and get it actually on the haystack instead of somewhere out in the, in the weeds. So I don't have to do extra burpees. You know, there's all these like little, you know, gratifying uh, intrinsic motivators that you get to do. And it's not just because you don't want to do the burpees. It's just, you want to see that there's like this continual improvement and growth. But at the end of the whole experience, it's not even really about the fact that whether or not you had to do less burpees or more, it's that you went through this incredibly challenging awakening experience. And it, it's like that intrinsic motivator is that feeling you get. It's that aha, it's that, that surge of energy. It's the awareness, it's the capacity for resilience, you know, and that intrinsic motivation is something that we have to teach our kids again. And I think that's, that's our job as parents is that how do we like help them, know what that is and so i'm curious if you have any ideas for that because i think that'd be really helpful for parents and maybe maybe it's going into nature and you know doing some of the things we already spoke to but um what are your thoughts on reflecting with that for the gratification stuff for the intrinsic motivation like to, to really uh, yeah and, and it's absolutely tied to the gratification you know it's tough you know 
there as of late i had an issue with my parents you know grandparents like to spoil their their grandkids right and so i was at the store with diego one day and we're walking in there and he always wants to go see the toys right yeah go check out what's there and i'll tell him before we even go and i was like we're not buying anything today but like we can go look but don't ask me for anything because i'm not going to buy anything so he sees a toy that he wants and it was one of these like gi joe storm shadow toys and that's what he's going to be for halloween so he's all about storm shadow right now and he like begs me to get this toy and i'm like buddy i already told you like we're not buying toys today so he's all pissy when we leave the store and he's, he's giving me attitude and stuff like that. And then I tell him, I was like, but I was like, look, when you want things in life, you have to work hard for them. They don't just come right away. So I was having this lesson that we're talking about of like, you don't just get something because you want it. Like I, I was like, daddy doesn't just get things because he wants them. I have to work really hard and we have to, you know, be real disciplined about how we handle things. And then every once in a while, you know, we get to have fun and do things like that. But so we got in this conversation of like him showing up and doing the things that he's supposed to do. Like we talked, like we said, talked about, you know, like, you know, cleaning up his room and picking up his toys and, you know, setting the table and, you know, taking out the trash, doing all these little chores that he's, he knows he's supposed to be doing around the house and him being consistent with doing those things. And I said, and when you do all these things, there, there's a reward in the long term because you're consistent with doing these things. And I said, and, and it's one of these things where I told him, like, I don't mind you working for this and then you showing up one day with your money because I give you, you know, an allowance for you doing your chores at home. I was like, but you have to put in the work to, to get that. There, there's a little bit of patience involved. So he's like, well, how long do I have to wait? I was like, however long it takes for you to be consistent with doing your chores and not complaining and doing them every day. I was like, because you, you don't get an allowance when I'm constantly having to go back and forth with you about asking you to do your chores around the house. So it was interesting. We have this like little, little tick, like tiss after the store. But in the next two weeks, I just saw like a different kid. All of a sudden, like he's picking his stuff up. I only had to ask him once and he's going outside to do his chores. I only had to ask him once, which is usually a little bit of a back and forth for a while. And then like we're getting in this nice, like solid, like flow and where he's doing really good. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to be able to give him a little bit of his allowance in a couple of weeks because he's been working hard and then he can maybe go buy his toy. And then he comes home from grandma and grandpa's one day with the toy. And I'm like, oh, my God, man. So it's interesting because like grandma and grandpa, they give in, you know, they, they want to be grandparents, right? Of That's course. Whatever, whatever they think they're. But I got so upset with my dad. And I was like, dad, you just killed like this life lesson I'm trying to teach him about this whole instant gratification thing and that he has to work for what he wants if he wants those things. I was like, I knew he wanted that toy, but I was making him be more consistent with things at home. And, and my dad's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was like, you need to help me out with this, right? So sometimes there's other people in the family running interference on this a little bit because you get one thing from mom and dad, but then you go to grandma and grandpa's and that's another thing. And But the reality of that, man, is like we're already at that point with him where we're trying to have this delayed gratification of having him to understand that if he wants things, he has to put in work. And that's one example. The other thing is like with judo, you know, he talks about wanting to be really good at martial arts and we tell him, look, you got to put in the work. And so it's it's a hard lesson um, I'm, I'm learning as a parent to teach these kids this whole delayed gratification thing and what you just do is the reward and like you're saying they need to learn this intrinsic uh it needs to come from an intrinsic place versus this extrinsic but i think it's so upside down uh with most people 
And, and, you know, as far as advice to parents, man, I think one of the biggest things, like I tell people is number one, you need to find awareness of where you're at as a parent with your kids. That's the first thing I would, I would tell you, like, what are you, what are you doing? How are you handling these particular things that we're talking about? And then if you find that you're upside down and it's more extrinsic, like Nick's saying, then maybe it's time to start making, you know, mild changes. Don't flip a 180 because then your kids are going to flip out on you. Right. <laughs> but, but find ways to start shifting this to, to this more of like the hard work and this delayed gratification and build more patience in your kid. I mean, Joe talks about that marshmallow experiment that they did years back with the psychologists where they took, uh, what was it, like five, seven-year-olds, and they, they put a marshmallow out in front of them. And they said, okay, you can eat this marshmallow now, or if you wait 15 minutes, we'll give you two marshmallows. And I think the result was one in three kids uh, wouldn't eat the marshmallow. Mm -hmm. They would wait, but it was only one in three. You know, two out of three would always just eat the marshmallow and <laughs> one did the instant gratification. And it's interesting to see they, 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 they followed up with these people like back like in their 20s and 30s. And the kids that waited, the one in three, they were very successful. They, they, they had businesses or they went to school. They had jobs. They didn't have like anxiety or depression in their lives. They handled life very well. And the other kids that wanted the instant gratification, they were in trouble with the law. They had drug issues, anxiety, depression problems. Like it was a completely different, yeah. you know, uh, result based off of something that just started in childhood. So it's interesting when you look at a simple study like that, but look at the importance of what we're talking about right now for this whole, like helping your kids build this patience and getting them out of this instant gratification in life. And that's it's such a core fundamental, you know, rule, I think that needs to be understood. It's, it's earned, not given. Yeah. You know, especially, you know, I can't help but think, you know, the, the world that we're in, the, the, the ideas that we're bought into, and, and, and there's so many, whether it be, you know, health to, you know, finances to, you know, you know hedonistic sort of lifestyle versus more of like a disciplined lifestyle. There's, there's so many constructs, I think, that, that we get stuck in. And, and I don't think we're giving true appreciation to just this core mindset. You know, there's our, our ability to create an environment for our kids to actually develop um, some more, yeah, some more of this delayed gratifications to, to start to really appreciate the feelings that are going on inside their body as a way to use them as a fuel to, to learn or to like and help them make decisions at a young age. And, and I think that in our, I guess maybe our need to prove ourselves right over the other person um, or are needing to please, I think that can happen in, you know, in a slightly different way for different people. But we, we sometimes avoid those, those conflicts with our kids, right? So we can either be, you know, the oppressor or like the bad guy and, you know, make things happen a certain way, or we can be more passive with our delivery. And at the end of the day, you know, just like the conversation you have with, with Diego, all of these connection points actually open space. And so I think it's easy to, to label something as good or bad. or like, this is how I should have done or what have you. But at the end of the day, like, you know, when there's a bit of friction, a bit of resistance, or even just a, a it could even be a softer open conversation where you have to come at it from a different angle. It creates these opportunities with your kids that, that doesn't just go, okay, you're bugging me. Here's a tablet or you're bugging me. Sure. I'll get the toy. 
you know, to, to really feed that, that opportunity for connection, I think is, is really what we're looking for. Something that I had, uh, had a conversation with my son kind of around these topics, both of my boys, I was so pissed off one day on driving them to, to, to school. And I was getting on their case because like, it was like one thing after the next that morning. It was, you know, they're, they're not helping out. They're not getting themselves ready. It was, it was a really frustrating morning. And obviously lots of stuff just happening in our own lives. And, and we get distracted from what's going on in the moment. You kind of just want to get them, the little fuckers out the door. Uh, part of my language, but that's, I want to let you know, like, kind of what I was we've feeling all, that morning, right? Had, we've all had those moments as parents. Man. Yeah, and I found myself just on this, like, like, monologue um, of complaining to them about how they're not showing up the whole way to school, and inside I could hear this voice going, like, Nick, they're, you're gonna, this is, you're gonna leave them for the day, and they're, they're rattled, they're anxious, you know, by the end of the conversation, I felt like such an asshole, but you know, my, my younger son was like miserable and crying. I'm like, you're not leaving this car until we, we really figure out what's going on. And, and I felt like a piece of shit, really. I felt like a horrible dad that I had like created all this anxiety because I was so irritated with them and then off they go for the day. And so anyways, that seemed like, that felt like a turning point for me. I, I realized like my kids are not going to respond to my anger. Uh, as much as I want them to, as much as maybe I've told myself that that could be a strategy. And I know that like whenever something like this comes up, it, it does create an opportunity for connection in a different kind of way. But I, what I told them, I said, listen, um, I don't want to show up like that for you guys anymore. I don't, I, I, I recognize that when we say goodbye to one another, I, I want it to be in a loving place. And if I have challenges with you guys, I want you to know it's, it's coming from a place because I haven't yet figured out how to communicate effectively to you. And, and I want you to know that I'm going to do whatever I can to, to be better, not to yell. Because I recognize that yelling doesn't actually get us anywhere. Uh, as much as like I want the, the moment to pass and you guys just listen to me, uh, that's not the way through. So I, I, I sort of created this like shift in our relationship. And it was really beautiful because there was times where they, you know, kind of provoked me and and I just decided, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to stay neutral with this, but I'm going to be firm, but I'm going to stay neutral. And just making that commitment to myself actually made a massive change in our relationship. And I'm, I'm curious to see how it unfolds, but it's funny how strong that voice is. Like, cause when we get put into that environment and that triggering mechanism is there, bang, like it's such a neural, strong neural pathway to, to, to drive into anger, frustration and whatnot. And, but until like, I had to realize that I wasn't creating a, a space or opportunity for, you know, an optimal conversation. And what I also realized is that we need more connection time. We need more play time. So they are, you know, when I'm, as I'm speaking this, as we talked to Joe, as, as my plan was in this, in this previous week, when this all came up, I'm, I'm recognizing them. We just need to put them back in their environment so they can play again. And we need to be there with them. We need to be out in nature with them. And that's where some more, more of this magic can happen. And, and then the second part to that is that <clears throat> I realized that when I asked the question to them, when I said, okay, guys, clearly things aren't working. How would you like to see things different? And if there's a day where Sonny and I were in the park, we were on a walk with them. And we said, okay, mom and dad have tried. We're going to sit here. You guys go over there. Like we're, in, we're inside this little walking park or, or forest. You guys go over there and chat it out. You guys figure out what's going on. You come back to us with a plan and then we'll have a little negotiation. And just doing that, giving the kids freedom to decide what, how things should go, 
that was another strategy we found to be very effective. So I just wanted to bring that in, like it's something recently that's been a massive struggle for us and something that we've sort of found a, a new way through. Ditto, brother. Thanks for sharing too, because I'm literally on the same same kind of thing. I mean, our kids are at very similar ages, right? And yeah. I think this year that exact theme has played out for me as well. And it's funny because the two points you hit on, you know, the first one was I've learned, you know, kids, there's two buckets we're filling, right? There's the, there's the attention bucket and there's the power bucket, right? And kids, if they're not getting enough attention, right, they're going to use their power to get any kind of uh, reaction from you, whether that's good or bad, right? So even if we lose our temper because they're acting up, they're getting attention from us, right? They're going to use that power to do that. Um, and so once I understood more of these things and realized, okay, so how do we, you know, Diego loves attention from mommy and daddy and he's constantly starving for, for both of us to get it right. And he'll, he'll get it good or bad. Right. So it's either going to, he's going to get that energy from dad in a good way, or it's going to be something where he's getting it a bad way. And I got to a place like you, man, where I just, I had that moment of I was yelling, I lost my temper. And I realized, like you're saying, that inner voice kicks in. I'm like, dude, there's got to be a better way to do this because you're not getting through to this kid. Like, mm -hmm. And what I what I finally learned by just educating myself and trying to build more knowledge on this is, you know, we show up as three different people all day, right? We show up as the parent, which is kind of when you're telling your kids, you know, go wash up or get ready for bed or, you know, do these things around the house. And this is typically either when we're pointing our finger or telling them to do something at home. And then we show up as adults throughout the day in our jobs. This is more of a passive state when we're interacting with people. And then there's the child state, right? So these are all the three egos that we move in through all day long. And the reality with kids, man, that I'm understanding finally by putting this into practice, because it's not something I was really aware of. And you hit it right on the head when you said we need more playtime. We need more of that connection time is the only time your kids really feel like they're connecting with you is when you're in your child ego state, when you're getting on their level, when you're just being a kid and you're one-on-one -on -one with them. And I'm not talking about like we're watching movies, you're playing video games and technology. I'm talking about like, you're just being with your kid and putting yourself back into that child state and just playing with them. And committing a small amount of time every day to your kids to do this, whether it's 10 minutes or a half hour, it doesn't need to be a lot. There's just consistency needed there. So what I've learned from the bigger picture, man, is like if I don't have that consistency with my busy schedule and I'm not getting that quality time with Diego where it's just like one-on-one -on -one daddy and Diego time, that's when his behavior starts to shift. That's when he'll use his power to get the attention, whether it's good or bad. And when I dial back in and find more consistency of having that special one-on-one -on -one time with him and making sure that he knows it's daddy and Diego time and I'm labeling it that way, whether it's again, like 10 or 15 minutes, or we spend an hour or an, af an afternoon doing fun stuff, it fills his bucket, man. And then the power struggles aren't there anymore. And the mm -hmm. attention, giving attention on stops, not there anymore because he's getting that little bit that he needs to fulfill him all the time. And that's really all they're searching for. Right. But I think where a lot of parents make mistakes and this is me included, man, because I'm, I'm with you on what you just went over is we don't dip into that child state enough with our kids. Yeah. Love it. And that's the key is you've got to, you can't be the parent. You can't be the adult. You have to go into child mode with your kids.
Mm -hmm. And if you can do that and be consistent with that, you'll see a different kid very quickly. And the, and, and the connection is heightened and you're fulfilling the need that they need in the right way. And then you're getting out, you're getting what you want out of it as a parent. Love it. And that right there, I think that's, you know, the, the, the first question that we would have liked to ask um, Joe on this topic is how do you bring in the softness? And it's, it's, you know, softness maybe isn't the right word, but it's just the, the realness, the fulfillment um, is that, is that, that time for connection. You're building that, whether you're like chopping wood outside or running up like crazy hills or you're playing Lego on the floor with them. Like that's, that's the opportunity. The connection is where you don't have to be that drill sergeant. You're just, you're in there, uh, in that experience, in that environment with them, in that, in that, like, as you said, that, that childlike state. Yeah. And how many parents do that versus like you're saying, giving them all these extrinsic attention from devices or all these other crap instead of having to really like hang out and connect with their kids. Yeah. Right. Beautiful. So, yeah, we brought it full circle, man. There it is. But hey, brother, good to know that I'm not the only guy that's struggling. <laughs> oh, man. Because man. Oh. like I, that story is like a carbon copy of moments I've had with Diego, man, where I lose my temper and then I hear that inner voice, like you said, and I'm like, you walk out of it and you're like, fuck. Like, I need to do better. Like, I want to be better. You know, I always tell Clarissa, Diego is going to be my biggest challenge in my whole yeah. life. Totally. And, and rightfully so, man. I mean, I love that guy more than anything in this world, right? And he's going to help me grow to the person I need to be. But you got to recognize it, like I'm saying to, the, to parents, and find that awareness of where can I get better for my kids so that not only I'm better, but so that they can show up and be better for life, right? So they can be little badasses, so they can be happy. And so you can see everything you want for your kids uh, in the future. Yeah. yeah. And one last point on that, I think um, it's important to pay attention to is that you think you're giving them what they need. They need like, we. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. It's like, we think that they need this lecture because it's going to be such magic that we're delivering to them. Oh, they're just going to, they're going to transform when they hear this. But if we actually step back and recognize we're not doing that for them, we're doing it for us because we feel like we're not being heard. It's our own like little inner child. It's like the mom and dad, you're not listening to me. We're, we're, we're putting it on our kids yeah. to make them think that like we've got a point to make and it has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with, us feeling like we're, we haven't been heard because our own inner child isn't getting that voice. And so I think it's important reflection to realize like in those moments, we're not doing anything for their, our kids at so all. It's the, it's a, you said reflection, man, it's mirroring. It's those classic moments where you realize like, holy crap, this is a message for me, not for him. Right. Totally. Yeah. And I love the other thing where you ask the kids to tell, tell us what you want mommy and daddy to do. I had, I had a moment with Diego and I think I shared it with you on another podcast. And he's like, well, I don't want you to yell at me anymore, dad. I said, okay, well, you need to listen. So how do we figure this out? Cause I was like, you don't listen to me. I was like, so I yell and then you listen. So he goes, okay, well then just tell me to go to my room. If I'm not listening, I'm like, fair. That makes it easy. <laughs> Done. Your, your, your idea, not mine. <laughs> and honestly it works, man. And he did it right away. Like, and it, I, don't, I don't yell anymore. And if he's misbehaving and not listening, I just say, Diego, go to your room. I don't, I don't get excited. I just immediately just go to your room in a very calm voice. He looks That's at awesome. me and he kind of gives me this face. I'm like, go to your room, man. Like, you know what? 
I got that so much as a kid. Go to your room, Nick. It was like, go to your room, Nicholas Anders, George Jetson. I got to get the full name, but um, I haven't used that once. I'm just realizing I haven't used that once for my kids. Partly because where we were, I guess where we were earlier, we didn't really have too many rooms in the house. So, uh, but they've got a room now, but I, I love that. And I love that he said that. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that was what he chose. Cause I, I and I, and I'm like, you're saying, I just tell him, you go tell me what you want daddy to do. Then. Yeah. I was like, cause I don't, I was like, I don't know anymore what to do. I was like, so you tell me what that needs to look like. That's what he said. He's like, well, just send me to my room, dad. I said, okay. But I said, you have to hold up your end of it then. I was like, if I say to go to your room, don't argue with me, just go and know that it's because you're not listening. Amazing. So, good stuff, man. All right, buddy. Well, there's so much for uh, me to chew on in this conversation. I got so much out of it, you know, both with Joe and just, and I think that was a good catalyst for this conversation and, you know, back and forth, like two dads figuring it out, right? And, you know, you could be a mom listening, you could be grandma it could be whatever but i think we can all take this message of resilience to heart and you know think about some of the things that we uh, addressed and we'd love to hear from you let us know if you figure out some cool tricks and tips and, and things you know whether it be through our facebook page or you know you comment on the on the podcast on youtube or uh, podbean or wherever you're listening to it uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. So, uh, David? Well, and I challenge our listeners, go hit up a Spartan race. Have your kids yes. do the Spartan kids stuff. It's an experience. It's life-changing. Start that journey. You won't regret it. So good. All right, brother. All right, See brother. you next time. All right, brother. Love you, man. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.